the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Hello. Hello. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, don't be shy. A couple things out there today as far as top stories. Virgin America posts a record profit for 2014. Pretty cool. Um, airline to fly on. But is it a good stock to invest in? I like them. Do I need, in my world of transports, of planes, trains, and automobiles, I tend to prefer, and I don't know about you, but I tend to prefer trains. Because at this point in time, they've got the best model. A plane could put 200 people in seats and take you cross-country. Great. Their unions have basically been broken. Their pensions have basically been reduced. Awesome. Low oil is going to help the airlines, no doubt, for 18 months. But then I question, okay, trains. Let's put one guy in the front seat, call him the, the, the engineer or the conductor, and then put 200 cars behind him. Woo-woo! That's pretty profitable. Trucks, I like because there's not a lot of competition. Then I get in like GM. Nah, my plane trains, I've already got enough ideas. Under Armour is expanding its empire. They've been aggressively investing in high-profile endorsement deals and building up its women's business to ship away at Nike's athletic empire. They've just recently added Steph Curry. That's a good endorsement deal for them for sure. Warren Buffett's dumping energy stocks, ExxonMobil and ConocoPhillips, which is odd because he usually doesn't sell stocks. He wants to buy them forever. He's adding John Deere. He's got Coca-Cola, IBM, Wells Fargo, American Express, some of his other high-profile names. Producer prices posted a record drop in January. Bad economic data. Not horrible, but weak. That's good for keeping the Fed on hold. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Welcome in. CFP Chad Burton, he joins me on a regular basis, talk financial planning issues with me. How does a CFP approach estate planning? Obviously, estate planning, give me a real brief sentence of what it means. Well, estate planning is to, if you become incapacitated, who's going to handle your affairs for you while you're alive? And then once you die, how do we distribute assets the way you want it, your charities, your kids, the least amount of probate costs, the least amount of taxes possible? The, the issue with the CFP, the way that we approach it, is attorneys tend to 
uh, deal with what the asset values are now. Okay. We'll project it way out into the future so that we know, based on normal life expectancies, here's what we're dealing with in terms of real estate values, retirement account values, stocks, bonds, and so that you can really truly deal with what it is. Because I've seen people that are worth $3.5 million at age 40, but the way that they're spending their money, yeah. they're they're dead broke by the time they're 80. So they they spend all this money on these expensive estate planning documents where they're really projected to be poor in the future. It's fascinating that you say that because you're age 43 and a half million. That sounds great. It's kind of like NFL football players yeah, yeah. where they come out and by age 25, 30, they've got millions and millions, but they spend like they've got millions and millions. And yeah. That income stops and the outflow goes on and you know what happens. So once it's done, once people have you know started figuring out estate planning, um, what do we need to know about that approach to estate planning and then you know executing it into a trust per se? Well, first of all, it's really important right now that people take a new look at their trust, even if they've done it in the last two years, because the end of 2012 laws were changed significantly. The amount you could leave to your heirs changed. And now most people's trust force the funding of what's called a bypass trust at the first spouse's death. You don't have to have that anymore because the first person that dies, their amount can port over to the surviving spouse, and which is, which is really, really great. The problem is, is that what if you pass away early? And your half of the community property goes to your surviving spouse. Then that surviving spouse remarries, right? And then all of a sudden, instead of your kids being named as beneficiaries, somebody else's kids or somebody else's family ends up with the money. So it's very you, – you've got to redo that because that bypass trust, you might uh, – I think Michelle Lerman calls it a Q-tipable bypass trust. Q-tip is a, a term that we, we don't need to get into, but it's really a protection trust so that you can – Still port that over but and have assets available to your surviving spouse, but your half of your community property goes where you want it to go hmm. you know at, at at your desk so it's very important that people redo their trusts right um and then while you're doing that, the thing is is that the attorney might give you the trust, but you have to redo your beneficiary designations, so your retirement accounts might name your spouse as primary and then a trust is contingent. You've got to make sure that the trust that you have has the right language for retirement accounts called conduit or see-through language. And if you want to leave money to charity and you want to do it, the best way to do it is with retirement accounts because the charities never pay taxes on that money. Okay. What I like to do is separate. If you want to leave 100000 to your church, then we put that into a separate IRA, that 100000 and name the church as the beneficiary so it doesn't screw up the the other beneficiaries in terms of being able to defer the taxes over their lifetime in an inherited IRA. Then we get into things like charitable planning and leaving a legacy, really going into the hopes and, and dreams of, of how you want to have your money work for you after you die. What is a charitable trust? It's it's a Basically, it's a way that you can take a, a low basis asset that you want to sell and get income from. You put it into the trust, you get a tax deduction. You don't pay the, the capital gains tax currently at all. You get a tax deduction instead. You get lifetime income. And then when you pass, whatever's left over in the trust goes to your favorite charity. And there's no estate taxes on that money. So Uncle Sam gets cut out of the picture, and you use some of that income to fund another irrevocable life insurance trust that buys insurance on you so that your kids get that same amount tax-free. Everybody wins except Uncle Sam in that one. So if people are you know have charitable intent and low basis stock, what um, happens, it's, so, it's such a great planning tool. What happens if you fund a charitable trust and then the stock market tanks? And whatever you gave them, like let's say XYZ stock goes from 500 to 5. Mm-hmm. Is there a ramification? Um, there's no ramification. It's just that it t- you typically you you get a percentage of the income, so five or six percent. Mm-hmm. 
And so if it, it tanks, you're going to get a lower income from it unless you have some sort of a um, – there, there are ways to get guaranteed income out of them, um, some of the alternative products that we've talked about before. But usually your charitable trusts are going to be uh, very balanced portfolios, you know, not a ton of risk because you're, you're really going to want the income and you want to have money left over for your heirs. Thanks very much. That's CFP Chad Burton. He does a show here on the station from 1 to 2 p.m. If you want to get a podcast of this show, you can find that at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. I highly endorse, I highly recommend. His knowledge base is totally different than mine. That's why we work well together. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. A couple other big stories out there. Americans took out more loans as the year ended, up $117 billion to $11.8 trillion. We now have over a trillion dollars of student loan debt. Woo! I don't think the youth of America is all that well off. And when I say the youth, I'm saying the middle part of the country and not sides that have jobs, the coastal sides that are long sought after. Apple's new spaceship headquarters has this crazy futuristic inside. Basically, they're doing some new type of construction on the floors and the ceilings and something in between uh, being a cooling system. Um, it's going to be a pretty cool building. A lot of people have seen companies like Nokia. They build this huge, monstrous, awesome office building and then crash their stock. Like that's the end. It's almost like the Roman Empire. As soon as you hit decadence, uh-oh. Big webinar coming up next Thursday on retirement income strategies and how to build income that lasts till the day you die. Hopefully, you can write, bounce the check to the corner or not give it to your kids. You can sign up for the event, and it will fill up probably this week at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Street analysts are saying cut exposure to the United States, gain exposure to the European stock markets. I agree with that statement. Um, now, what does that mean? If you're overweight in the U.S., maybe you go to you know, neutral weight, not underweight. If you're neutral weight, maybe you go to underweight. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you find somewhere in your portfolio where you want to go from underweight Europe to neutral or overweight. There's typically three kinds of categories. Uh, you overweight a position, you give it a neutral weighting, or you underweight it. I totally get what they're trying to say. Uh, when the European, and I said this on the air, we can go back and check the tapes. When the European Union said, we're going to cut interest rates, it's time to buy. In large part because the same thing happened in the United States. When, they, when we started quantitative easing, when we started buying our own debt, when we started changing the interest rate environment and lowering, 
It's been a glorious six-year run. Glorious. Like, <clears throat> I want to have a cigarette. And I don't even smoke. So, that's where I'm at. <clears throat> couple things to think about. Money, investing, and more. Anything on your mind, drop me an email. Rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Applications for mortgages have been dropping. Why? Why? Uh, probably pretty obvious. Mortgage rates have been increasing. And it's also been three years of extremely low interest rates at this point in time. So if you haven't refinanced, you probably should have. Could you have picked it perfectly one and a half years ago on the specific date? Boom. Probably not. Um, I think housing is, is tired. You're seeing it in the building permits. Now, again, we're always going to have people forming households in the United States, whether it's from immigration issues or kids turning 25 years old. So housing's not going to go away anytime soon. Um, there's always going to be scenarios like a hurricane that knocks down a house. There's always going to be a, a scenario like your neighbor who works for Salesforce.com who's really cocky and arrogant and no one really likes him, uh, decides to build a, a mansion. Um, just saying. Anything you want to talk about we could talk about? Uh, Alibaba. SEC is asking Chinese web company for a little bit more data from their regulators because it's a Chinese company that's traded publicly in the United States. One of the beautiful things is when you buy shares of Nike, regulators in the United States kind of watch that company, and the company files you know, important data with regulators in the United States. Uh, not so much when the company's based out of, out of the country. It's a little bit more difficult to get access to the company. A little bit more difficult, not completely. So I don't like the construction numbers that we saw come out today on permits. A little bit weaker. And again, just saying, the, the full open sale, it's not, if you're into sailing and you're in like 20 knots, or tw let's say 25 knots is perfect. Uh, you're only around 23, 22. It's just not so perfect. The oil rally is reversing today in large part because production is deepening in the United States and there's a global supply glut. A lot of people see oil going, to, I've seen one person see it going to 10. I've seen a couple people say it goes to $20 a barrel. But most people say somewhere in the mid-30s. Again, most people could be wrong. You know, you take a sword and cut off someone's head in the Middle East and people freak out. People freak out. And that can change the whole, you know, issue on oil completely. Like, headlines can change direction. But again, fundamentally, oil is very, very weak right now. Hilton's offered a very muted 2015 outlook. Forecast comes after the hotel company reported better than expected fourth quarter revenue. Long term, not many people could do what Hilton does. I'd prefer you own real estate by owning things like Hilton as a real estate investment trust or what are called REITs. I know a lot of you listen to financial radio and financial TV and you're going like, I want to own a house. I want to use other people's money. That's such a 1980s concept. But dorks like Tony Robbins have pushed this concept of, yes, you can empower yourself and become a multimillionaire just like me. What he's doing is he's selling you BS seminars where literally I sat and I didn't sit next to one. I did a seminar of mine next to one of his. And I'm talking about like max out your 401k. I'm giving good sound advice. And his advice to have you succeed is to play the 
Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or the Rock and Roll Part Two song that's played at stadiums. You know the da da da. Hey, dun da da dun da da. Um, and he gets the whole crowd clapping. And somehow clapping in a whole crowd of dorks is going to make you a multimillionaire. It may send you home going like, wow, I could do this, I could do this. And maybe there's some power in that. But if you can't find motivation inside yourself, I'm shocked. Recently discovered Dr. Seuss book coming out in July, 20 years after his death, called What Pet Should I Get? I'm kind of excited by that. I grew up big time on Dr. Seuss books. Um... And most of his books were written, I think, like in the early 60s. Um, the book features the same brother and sister scene in the Dr. Seuss 60s classic. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. I mean, come on, just even saying that makes me smile. Snapchat is reportedly raising money at a 16 to $19 billion valuation. It's a Facebook competitor. And if you look at the trends of who's using social media... And at what ages they're using. Facebook's not number one with people under 18. And guess what? I'm pretty good at math. People under 18 eventually become people over 18. And they become people 18 to 35 who advertisers covet and want. And Snapchat's got this pretty cool thing where you can like watch an episode of a TV show. And if the media company gets the sponsor, the advertiser, they get 70%. And if Snapchat places the advertiser inside of the, the video, they get 50%. That's pretty cool. And if that doesn't scare Facebook, I don't know what does. I find Facebook to be inane. I'm so tired of it. Um, if I have to see one more stupid video that you post on, whoa, look at this car accident, or whoa, look, this turtle's pushing a cat. Who has time for this? People actually post this crap. I saw a video the other day of a turtle pushing a cat. Now, I could have wrote a comment on this person's link. You're the dumbest person on the planet for posting this. Or I could just hide that person and never see the videos again. Guess which one I did. Apple has won a patent for a virtual headset. Its use is going to be as primarily as an iPhone. It's going to use the iPhone primarily as the screen. Uh, patents are important. It, it gives you a hint that, okay... Wait, wait. Apple's making a virtual headset? We thought Oculus Rift, who was acquired by Facebook, was making a headset. Oh! Oh! They both are. 800-516-1220 to get your call from the air. Big webinar coming up next Thursday on Income and Retirement. You can find out more at robblack.com. It will fill up. Don't sign up unless you're going to show up. You take someone's space. Sign up at robblack.com. It's next Thursday evening starting at 6 I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. But it's time for Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. Dr. Rosen, good day to you. Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, good. Everything going good in Chicago? It's cold. <laughs> it's going to be like minus and 20, I think, with wind chill tomorrow. The opposite is true here in San Francisco. We're 72 degrees, gorgeous sunshine. Our trees are flowering spring. It sucks. It sucks to be here. <laughs> Let's talk economy. Uh, what are you seeing out there as far as economic activity today? And we had some uh, disappointing numbers on the housing side. Uh, housing starts came in a little light. Uh, the headline number you know, I, I'm not too concerned with. I'm more concerned with the fact that we had a fairly big drop in um, single-family homes. You know, that tends to be a stable sector, and that's where you generally get your you know, solid underpinning of, of housing construction. And we've had really impressive NAHB sentiment index since basically July, and it hasn't translated into steady growth yet in housing starts. So I don't know, you know, if builders are just content on what they're able to construct and they're content on what they're able to sell, and, you know, that's making things happy because things aren't worsening. But we're not seeing the, the improvements, the growth in the area that we would expect it given these, you know, these improvements in strength of sentiment. So it's a little bit disappointing on that end. And then we got a, uh, a PPI number this morning that was extremely light, uh, I think, Headline growth was down 0.8%. Core was down 0.1%, well below uh, his expectations on both ends. You know, there's no pipeline pressure for inflation. The intermediate core growth in processed and unprocessed goods declined. Intermediate service prices were up uh, minimally. I mean, there's no inflation on the horizon on the producer side. And if that translates to the consumer, we don't see any uh pressure on the consumer to, to see higher prices. So, you know, we're going into, you know, the first quarter with, uh, you know, price growth on the deflationary side. Okay. Let's, let me slow things down and go back to housing starts. In housing starts, as a Wall Street guy, all I really care about is permits because that's future activity to me. I'm overly discounting housing starts at the current numbers. I'm like, ah, we kind of already knew that from past permits. Am I being naive by saying that? And as an economist, do you care about both the housing starts as well as the permits, or do you favor one or the other? It's a little of both. So if we're calculating current GDP, permits don't factor in anything. You know, all we care about really, not even starts, it's the number of homes that are currently under construction. Because the way GDP is calculated, it's just the amount of money spent on construction during the quarter. So even if you started a home, you know, that itself isn't that big of a deal. It's how much money are you working on that home. So if we're trying to be an economist, that's the all-important part. Now, if you're trying to forecast where construction growth is going to be, you want to look at permits. The problem is that, you know, in the past you had a one-to-one -one relationship. You had a permit, they built it. Uh, ever since the housing bubble burst, you've had a lot of people take out permits for new construction and then just not build them because either the demand okay. didn't show up or you know the construction materials aren't available or, or whatnot. So the idea that permits equals construction, the correlation isn't necessarily there anymore. 
So that makes it much more difficult to just to look at the permits and say, okay, permits were uh, you know a little bit lower than last month. You know, okay, so that means that we're going to see a, a little bit of a slowdown in construction. That's not necessarily true. You might have a lower permit number, but you might have more of those permits actually become houses, and it's really undetermined how you can you know find out what that number is going to be until it's right on top of you which is kind of why I've been looking at that NAHB sentiment number because we've been seeing things say that, you know, more people are showing up to look at spec homes and you're seeing, you know, more demand. And you, we already know that supply of new homes is, is small. So if that's the case, you'd expect to see, you know, significant growth in the amount of construction. You would expect to see a, a closer correlation between permits and starts. But that's not necessarily happening, and that's what's disappointing. With that said, if you had a daughter, I'd love to be your son-in-law because listening to you talk, I could listen all day long. Let's switch back to the producer price index. It, I know it's kind of an inappropriate comment, but I'm working on it. Um, I'll turn my internal editor back on. Producer price index. Well, I have six-year-old boys, so I don't know if that's ever going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Um with that said, no inflation, the producer price index, is that enough data to basically kind of give us a little bit more time with the Federal Reserve before they start raising interest rates, or is it just not enough data at this point in time to, to strap that onto it? This is what we know. This is what we know. We know that if inflation gets out of hand, we can raise rates and tame it. What we also know is that if we're in a deflationary environment and we raise rates too early, that we don't know how to get out of the deflationary environment. We know from experience in Japan, we know from experience in Europe. So if you, based on those two factors, we know we could overshoot inflation and be okay. We know that if we undershoot inflation, we're, we're not gonna be okay. We'd be better off overshooting. Knowing that we have these PPI numbers come in where inflation is very, very low. You know, headline year over year was zero. Um, trends down the pipeline are negative. I don't see a, a clear reason to raise rates anytime soon. You know, I don't want to get into a situation where we think we know inflation's coming, so we try to hold it off and tame inflation before it's here, and then all of a sudden push ourselves into a deflationary environment that we can't get ourselves out of, and then really get stuck in an economic quandary, just like Japan, just like what Europe is experiencing right now. Anything else in the world of economics that you think should be highlighted? Now, it's interesting if you look at the uh, production numbers today, specifically in the vehicle uh, department. You had a big increase in truck assemblies, and you had a big decrease in auto assemblies. And a lot of that is going on because low oil prices are increasing the demand for trucks. But it's also telling us that uh, the car manufacturers believe that trend is going to continue for some time. So, you know, they're producing to get ahead of the curve. Keep demand is going to be there. And, uh, you know, if you have an uptick in oil, and I know that everybody's saying oil prices are going to go down from here, but let's just say we have an uptick in oil and you're going to bet against that, uh, you know, we run the risk of motor vehicle manufacturers having too many trucks on their on their lots, which could re, you know, result in, 
you know, big time uh, price declines as they try to you know, get those trucks off the lot. So keep that in mind that if you, you know, if you're betting oil prices going up right now, you know, the motor vehicle manufacturers are not in that position. They're, they're not betting that and, and they're betting, uh, you know, oil prices continue to drop to, to keep that demand. The Port Authority in Oakland has basically locked out the unions uh, up and down the ports of the West Coast. Is that on your radar at this point in time? I would imagine it probably is. Yeah, it, it's starting to factor into how inventories are going to be over the next several months, uh, especially how uh, import-export numbers are going to be. If you have a lot of you know foodstuffs that go bad and they can't be exported, you know it's a loss. That that's not you know good. That's going to you know hurt the economy in the uh, the export numbers. You know, I'm surprised that it's gotten this far. I would have thought that the port authorities were more of uh, necessary, uh, you know, workers where the president could step in and just end a strike. But uh, right now that hasn't happened, and I, I don't know clearly why that's going on. You know, you look at CNBC today, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, D-Day outside of, of L.A. with all those ships on the horizon just waiting to come in. You know, it's, it's kind of frightening. And, you know, a lot of manufacturers had had, had based their uh, inventory numbers that there was going to be a slowdown, but that's going to, you know, they're, they're going to lose that, that, uh, that part right now. You know, I don't think they expected it to be this long and, and continuing on. Anything else that we need to know before I let you go? Nah, tomorrow we get an initial claims number. It'll be interesting to see if we uh, have another uptick in claims. You know, we keep hearing reports from the energy sector that they're laying off workers, but we haven't seen them in the actual data yet. So, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if over the next few weeks we start seeing you know initial claims at 350,000, which would signal you know a major layoff level, but. So far, that hasn't happened. So we're just going to keep looking at that to see if we can get any reads on what's actually going on in the energy sector. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Jeff Rosen. You can find him at briefing.com, chief economist. Uh, I like most of the material at briefing.com. Some of it doesn't really apply to me. Like if you're into technicals, they have a whole thing there on that. But starting my day every day with page one and then check it out basically some of the weekly columns that they put together, as well as the action on the, you know, the daily news. Um, I use Freaking.com daily. Uh, if I get a phone call in and ask about Apple, I'll punch it in and see if any new analysts have said anything. I'll go to my Bloomberg terminal and do the same thing and see what, you know, what's out there as far as the background. You do a really good job. Freaking.com. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Big webinar coming up next Thursday. Thursday evening. Last Thursday of month, you can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's an income and retirement event, an income and retirement event. Sign up right now at robblack.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. You can always drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Reuters is confirming that rumors suggesting Greece will ask for a loan extension kind of kick the can. I'm kind of a fan of kicking the can because we see it all the time in Main Street and Wall Street. And what do I mean by that? Congress hates the president, the president hates Congress. Or Republicans hate Democrats, Democrats hate Republicans, Libertarians hate Republicans. Like it's, and what do they do? They get our government fatter. Uh, at one point in time, you were elected and you came by yourself to the Capitol. Now you come with a staff of 250 plus. True. Ten years ago, it was 200 plus. And it's just they're in the business of getting reelected, not in the business of governing the country effectively to help you and me. Um, I largely believe that's true after their first term. Um, I think President Obama had great intentions, but after both the Democratic Party failed to help him in Congress, as well as the Republican Party that grew in size through Congress, I, I think he's, it, it's done. It, it's reflective of how dysfunctional our government is. But we pay attention. Um, depending on the day, the hour or the minute, Wall Street is paying a lot of attention to a lot of variables out there at this point in time. Um, I look at the bigger picture. I always try to. So when I see things like kicking the can down the road, I'm like, good. Um, it doesn't have to be so dramatic as in the moment. Ukraine government forces reportedly withdrawing from a key railroad area inside of Ukraine, and that's not good. Um, going to make things a little bit more difficult. Today, strength in consumer staples, industrials, and utilities, weakness in consumer discretionary energy, financials, materials, and telco services. Uh, one stock that I highlighted today was United Armor. I like it for long-term patient investor, but for the short term, it makes no, no sense. It's got too high of a valuation. So if you buy it thinking you're going to get instant gratification, ew. Uh, Talk. A lot of talk out there recently about getting out of the United States stock markets and getting into European. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can increase exposure. So you can go from like 10% weighting in Europe to 12%. And you can go from a 20% weighting in the United States to an 18%. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And that's how you play the game. It's kind of an art of massage versus you have to win everything now. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Tech investors have gone to war against banks. There's a company called World Remit. They announced a $100 million funding round. Uh, the round is led by Silicon Valley venture capital firm TCV, which had previously invested in everyone from Facebook to Spotify to Netflix. Uh, there was a company, I think yesterday uh, or a couple weeks ago, TransferWise, TransferWise raised $58 million with a rumored valuation of $1 billion. That was done by Anderson Andreessen Horowitz. Peer-to-peer uh, -peer loan service company, Funding Circle, they raised $65, $65 million. So far, they raised $123. Compared with other sectors, the financial industry has remained relatively untouched by technology. Media has had its head turned upside down. Transportation has been racked by Uber, Uber and Lyft. Mobile app economy didn't exist just a few years ago. Now it's bigger than the film industry. 
in contrast, the major players in finance, with the exception of PayPal and Square, are largely the same exact way they've been over the last 20 years. So you bet that Company Sachs and Bank of America are nervous. There's a company out there called Robinhood who is taking no fees for buying and selling stocks. You can transfer the money from your bank account into your brokerage account, and they're not taking any fees. How do they make money? They're making money on credit cards and other things that they're going to push to you, like margin. They don't have a lot of employees. They don't have a big office in New York. They've got a floor. They don't have a big tower. So they don't have the cost structure, per se. And they're targeting younger people, not older people. They're looking for $10,000 accounts, not $500,000 accounts. So you're going to see a big change in how that finance world operates. It's going to be a interesting next 10 years. Apple CEO Tim Cook says he always knew Google Glass would fail. He basically said that, hey, putting on glasses creates a barrier between me and you. Putting on a watch doesn't. Which one's more intrusive? Um, Google stopped pushing their Google Glass and selling them. So I'm not going to do a, a, a funeral dirge, but not everything a tech company does is going to work. Just always keep that in mind. You know, you always got to keep yourself a little bit honest. Um, oil has recently reversed going from, uh, well, today it's going lower. And that's a reversal from the recent bullish push from, you know, the high 30s up to 52, 53. That's considered a bullish push. That's 20%. Um, but a lot of people don't think the rally is going to sustain itself. We were talking with Dr. Jeff Rosen from briefing.com in the last segment where he's like, yeah, if oil can hold these levels, then blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, no one's expecting it to. Um, hello, hello. So day to day, I think this market is way ahead of itself. And that's why you are seeing some investors say things like uh, focus on Europe because Europe got walloped. And then Europe's central bankers did the same thing the U.S. central bankers did after we got walloped in 2007, 2008. We lowered interest rates and we stimulated the economy with a monetary policy and not by policy out of Congress and the president. A little bit, but I don't think anyone remembers the presidential uh, stimulus plan where all the Americans got a couple hundred bucks. A lot of people aren't spending in the middle class because health care costs have gone up so much. We need to fix that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.